reading this morning is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news, and now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we pass on to you both in person and by letter. And now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing that you say and do. Thank you, Colleen. And good morning, everyone. And uh, yes, happy Father's Day. What a great morning. Wonderful baptism. Tremendous video. It's been a good morning already. Uh, and it's good to be home. There's an old adage that says there's, there's no place like home. And uh, it's always uh, wonderful to experience the truth of that saying after being away for two or three weeks. I'm appreciative of uh, Pastor Norb, my colleague, who's uh, carried the load. He's had a couple of weddings, and he's preached a couple times, and he's had his weekly responsibilities. And uh, Corey Anderson preached uh, three weeks ago on the theme of marriage. And so we're just blessed with people who have served us so well. Uh, just a quick update. Uh, Mark and I have had a chance to travel a little bit, uh, rest a little bit do a little bit of mid-range planning, pray, and, uh, and learn from others, learn from others. Uh, we stopped in to check out a number of uh, ministries, uh, North Coast Church, uh, which is in Vista, California, Southern California, that I didn't know much about and learned a little bit about their ministry. We got to Saddleback a couple of times, uh, Saddleback Community Church. Rick Warren is the pastor, and along with his wife, uh, Whit Kay. And as many of you will know, they're grieving the loss of their youngest son. Uh, Rick Warren wasn't at any of the services, but he had a little video message that was shown to the church. And he just thanked God uh, for the strong support that they had been to the family over these past two or three months. His... Uh, his son took his own life a couple of uh, three months ago. Uh, Matthew, their 27-year-old, uh, had been struggling with depression uh, for for many years. And but what I what I loved about what he said is he gave some practical advice for us on this brief video clip. Some advice when when one is really hurting. And he said the best thing you can say to people like us who are hurting is this. We're sorry for your loss. We're sorry for your loss. That's, that's all you need to say. You don't need to ask, well, how are you doing? He said, because quite honestly, we're not doing well. We're not doing well. We're doing awful. We're doing fine spiritually. We know where that's at. But we're not doing well emotionally. And he used it as a bit of a teaching time to, to, uh, to help us to know how to respond to people who are really suffering deep loss and pain. Just say, we're sorry. We're sorry for your loss. Maybe a hug, maybe an embrace, but we're sorry. 
So we're grateful, Mark and I, for the privilege uh, to hear some gifted speakers, to see some incredible ministries, and to simply add to our repertoire of experiences. Every church has a unique calling, and uh, you appreciate every church for what God is uniquely doing there. And it's not like you want to be like that church or anything like that. You just, you just want to learn from churches and to get some ideas and, uh, uh, and thank God for what he's doing in that particular context. But it's always good to come home, and I love this church, and I love what God is doing here, and uh, our brunch team will be interested to know that no one else serves brunch wherever we've been. (laughs) No one else serves brunch. They charge you for coffee. (laughs) Uh, We're really blessed to have a growing family here at TCC, one that doesn't leave after the closing prayer. Because that's what I noticed uh, in the churches. Everybody was gone. Just as soon as the closing prayer, everybody's gone. And I'm just so grateful that we stay and we uh, help the person who drops the fork or spills the eggs through the line. That's okay. That's good. We get a chance to help one another. Or if you're like me, when you sit at those tables, you always bump the, bump the leg with your knee and the coffee spills. And everybody understands because we've all done it. And uh, we, we say to one another, that's okay, don't worry about it, we'll clean that up. And we get to know one another because we linger. So we're, we're uh, blessed to be able to connect, and in our connecting we share our lives, and we know that we're not alone as we travel this road together. We're all in this together. Well, it's Dad's Day, and... Uh, Welcome, dads. Uh, I have a few words for you today. Uh, The comments, I think, are transferable to all of us who are here. But dads, I want to say this morning that I think you're amazing. Uh, And I'm proud of you, dads. Uh, And I don't just say that. I've I've thought about this. And uh, first of all, I want to say, dads, those of you who are here this morning... Would you just do a thumbs up for me if you're here and you have kids still with you in your home? They haven't vanished yet. Just do a, yeah. Oh, wow. We have lots of young dads. Lots of young dads. And I am so impressed with this generation of dads. We have a wonderful writer in our church She writes articles for the journal and other newspapers, and uh, her name is Misty. And she wrote this for Father's Day just a couple of days ago. I asked her if she wouldn't mind sending me the article. And I'm going to just quote from it, because I think it captures what I'm wanting to say as well. Defying the outdated image of absent fathers, today's dads are more visible than ever, both in sheer numbers and in domestic life. Dads are logging more time with their kids, doing a greater share of housework, and engaging in family life like never before. And I think that's true. We know it's true. So I think, let's uh, let's just hear it for dads this morning. I think you're doing a great job. And you've picked up on a lot of things that uh, 
that I could have been a lot more attentive to. I was born too early. We all look back and we say, Oh, could have done that better. Could have been sharper there. I didn't realize that. However, I haven't come this morning to talk about the past. This is June 2013 and I always say, let's not look back too much. Let's just look forward. And we're from wherever we're at, we start again today. And that's cool. Let's just start today. And uh, try to keep doing as good a job as we can do. Now, the Apostle Paul was never a dad. In the sense that he wasn't a biological father. But he was a father to so many people on a, uh, on a spiritual level. A lot of people looked up to Paul as the one who gave them uh, their spiritual grounding, so to speak. And so I'm going to have us look at Paul this morning as a dad, a spiritual dad, and just simply learn some lessons from him. We're in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, if you have your real Bible with you, or you have your iPhone, uh, maybe even that new Samsung Galaxy would even work. Uh, let's take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. What do you want most for your kids? You know, I think you, you want to know that they're being looked after. You, you want to know that they're being nurtured. You want to know that they're being encouraged. And our children very much need the encouragement of dad. This is something special about a father relationship. If you were in Paul's shoes and you had been a church planter all over Asia Minor, you would really want to know how your kids are doing. How's the church doing? Uh, how's Tony and, and, and Mary and family over there in Ephesus? How, how's Dorcas and John doing with their family over there in Philippi? And for this new church that got started in, in Thessalonica, how are the church leaders doing? And if you couldn't be there, you, were, you, you would at least want to send them a letter. You'd want to send them a note of encouragement to cheer them on. And that's what Paul did. He sent a letter to the Thessalonians, and he said, beginning in verse 13, As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord... We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. Verse 13. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. Now, it's natural to look back over the years of seeing God at work. We do this. And you're grateful for every life. You're grateful for every family that's been touched by the love of God. You're so grateful for what God is doing in, in the hearts of people. There's nothing better than to see people come to faith in Christ and follow the Lord publicly in the waters of baptism as we saw this morning. And, and, and people who have a real heart's desire to put God first and to serve Him and to give Him, give him their life. And I'm so proud of Jack and Laura. Uh, what a bold, courageous step uh, to come in front of people and to be completely submerged below the water and you know it's, it's, a, it's a bold step of discipleship and if you're a Christ follower as Pastor Norb indicated that's the step that Christ calls us to 
That's biblical. That's what God gives us in his word to do, to boldly step up to the plate and say, publicly, count me in. I'm one of his children. And we could look back and we can see how God has worked in hearts and lives through the years. And I, I understand what Paul is saying. We can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters. Paul said to the Thessalonians, I'm thankful that you were among the first to believe. You were off the starting block soon after you heard the good news of the gospel. So here is spiritual dad, Paul, cheering on the followers in this new church plant in Thessalonica. You know, kids of every age need cheering on. I think I, think I had it pretty easy growing up on the farm. Now that I look back, I think I had it pretty easy. It's a different world today out there. The pressures and the demands that bear upon children and adults would have been unimaginable in previous eras. You know, really, I think if God would hand us a pair of his glasses and we could see how he sees the world, we would be overwhelmed all over the world. Uh, children who need love and support and encouragement. I mean, if we could see the heartaches and the pain and the suffering of our children, these little hearts filled with stress. I mean, if we could put the glasses on that God sees through, we would say, oh, boy, I really need to be in that little guy's corner. I really need to be in that, that gal's life. I need to encourage her. I, I didn't realize what she's going through. I didn't realize what she's carrying. I'm reminded of the famous prayer of one father. He said, Dear Lord, I want to thank you for being close to me this day. By your grace, I haven't been impatient. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been grumpy. I haven't been judgmental or frustrated with anyone. But I'll be getting out of bed in a minute. And then I think I'll really need more of your help. Amen. Amen. We really do need God's grace and wisdom and, and help to be able to encourage others and our own children and our spiritual kids. We don't have the resources on our own. I think of the story of the child psychologist who spent many hours after at night he was constructing a new driveway at his home and he had it all finished and he had smoothed the concrete and it looked just beautiful and then the kids were playing ball and somebody threw a ball and they went traipsing right through the fresh cement left these deep footprints and the man just lost it he yelled at them with a torrent of angry words and his shocked wife said honey you're a psychologist a child psychologist who's supposed to love children and he said I do I do I love children in the abstract but not in the concrete. <laughs> and that's our reality. That we have the kids in the concrete and we wake up every morning and the race is on and we forget that we're always living in context with little people who live in the same house and they need our love and they need our encouragement every day, every day. It's not just living in the abstract when you live in a family. So dad, can I give you just a couple things this morning? First word of counsel is directed at your own heart. Take care of your own heart first. 
Take care of your own heart first. You know, like they say on the airplane, when you get strapped in, seat belts buckled. In case of emergency and the oxygen mask should appear, if you're traveling with young children, make sure you get your own mask on first. So if you run out of oxygen, you, you wouldn't be able to help your children. So put your own mask on first. And it works the same way, dads. If you run out of spiritual oxygen, you won't be the help you could be. You won't help be the help you should be to your own children. And so here's what Paul says in verse 13. We can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. Loved by the Lord. In verse 16, now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. Dads, you are loved by the Lord. Dads, you've been given an eternal comfort and wonderful hope. God has fed that into your life. Dads, we get encouraged when we remind ourselves that we are loved by God. I don't know what it is, but in the last couple of weeks, that truth has been coming at me from so many different angles. And I think God wants to tell us, I will always love you. Boy, that sounds good. I will always love you. John? Karen? Paul? Mike? I will always love you. The very essence of who I am is love. How many have that sense that as soon as you slip up, that you lose God's love? Where did we ever get that? As soon as I fail, as soon as I stumble, then I guess God doesn't love me anymore. No, He loves us. He loves us before we, we came into this world. He had a plan for us. He will always love us. It's the essence of His very character, His love. And when I blow it, I can come to Him with full admission and say, Lord, I know You love me, and I know You want to pick me up and, and move me forward from here. I know You love me. I know You forgive me. I know You're for, for, with me and for me. And so what Paul says in these verses is that God looks at you with such a love, a love that profoundly encourages and strengthens us and gives us the hope to face whatever lies on the road that we are traveling. If you could somehow take it all in, he loves us. And not because we're good. And not because we've achieved a lot of things in life, no. And not even because you love him back. But simply because you're his. And he just loves you. I don't know why it's so hard to grasp that. But there are factors in our lives that keep shoving that truth away. We can picture God elbowing the angels and saying, See that one over there? That's my kid. That's my kid. I gifted him. See that one over there? I have plans for her. I'm never giving up on her. I'm never going to quit on him. I'd die on a cross for them. They're going to spend eternity with me. Yes, Dad. Make sure the oxygen is flowing to your own heart first before trying to assist your children seated right next to you. And how do you ensure that the, the oxygen is flowing? How do you soak up the encouragement of God? Think about that, dads, and really you've got to figure this out. 
You've got to think about some ways for your own spiritual development and take responsibility. When are you carving out some time to, to be quiet? When do you get alone and have some time in His Word? Do you think you can go for weeks and months and months and never feed? Do you think you can encourage your children and yet be starving inside because you haven't stopped to eat and feed on what God is doing? God really wants to do some amazing things in your life. He really has some super stuff to, for you to be part of. And you could be so impressed if you would just could see it with your spiritual eyes. You'd say, he wants that for me? Yes, he does. Day by day, quiet time upon quiet time, line upon line, it becomes more and more vibrant. Bringing your best every day means you get to spend some time with the Lord. What do you need? Need a men's group? Need a group of guys around you to spur you on? Find a group. Create a group. Need some help? Talk to us. Your children need you to be drinking from the well first. Because it makes a huge difference in how you relate to them. Secondly, dads, you encourage when you celebrate your own children. Paul says in verse 16, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. In every good thing you do and say. What can we do to celebrate our, our kids? To comfort them. To strengthen them in all that they do and all that they say. I'm not a great Facebook guy, but I follow along. And I watch some of our parents here celebrate their children. Pictures, listing of accomplishments, and then they sign it, proud dad, proud mom. I love it. That's awesome. That's wonderful. As I got to be a teenager, my dad kind of forgot how to celebrate with me, I think. Maybe he didn't understand teenagers. I loved wrestling with him as a, as a younger child. But when I got to be a teenager, it seemed like he changed. Maybe I changed. It seemed like I had to go into performance mode to please him. And he was hard to please, I thought. I remember driving in the tractor into the farmyard. I'm 15 years old. I had unhooked from the cultivator, came home for lunch, needed to refuel. These are huge tractors. And rolling in to the fuel tanks, the brakes didn't engage. Somehow the RPMs went down. The brakes, there was no brakes. I was going slow, honest. But the tractor wouldn't stop. And I was helpless. It's like you, you know it's going to crash, but you can't do anything about it. And I'm pumping the brakes and I'm pumping the brakes. And the front tire of this big tractor goes through a plywood fence. And my heart is sick. My dad is going to kill me. I know dad's going to see this. There's no way to hide it. And he is not going to be happy. I went in for lunch, had lunch with the family. I couldn't tell him at lunchtime. My plan was to prepare him. 
but we had a guest and I couldn't prepare him. After lunch, we walked out to the tractor and you know there's no way to tell him. It's just a matter of time. He will see it. And he did see it. And he wasn't a happy camper. No, he didn't kill me, kill me, like kill me, kill me. But he did with his words and he let me have it in words that didn't celebrate me. I've had to battle with those words through many years of my life. He didn't realize the cutting power of his words. It's amazing how people that we look up to and we want their approval, they can hurt us. It's easy to be busy as a dad, preoccupied, and you say things you never intended to say and you don't know where those words land and the impact that they're going to have. You have no way to measure that. You have no way to know that what a kid might carry in his or her heart for years to come. Well, I have to tell you that in later years, my dad had a tremendous spiritual turnaround in his life. He got his tank filled. He put his oxygen mask on. And wow, we had uh, what, what a, a wonderful relationship and an encouraging, celebrating relationship as we closed life together. When we were away uh, in these past couple of weeks, uh, I did a little biking every day just to kind of wear off some of that extra luggage from the winter and a little from the winter before and still working on the three-year-ago winter one. And, um, and uh, anyway, we needed to take the garbage out and I said I would run it down to the garbage place and then I thought I don't need to walk and I don't even need to put it in the car. I could, I could hold the garbage in one hand and ride the bike. I could still do this. I could steer with one hand. And that's what I did. I, I, I put the garbage in the left hand. My feet are pedaling. And one hand on the handlebar. And you can just see me. And it's pretty much downhill all the way, so I don't have to pedal too hard. But there are a lot of turns. And uh, I, was, I was nearly there. This is working very fine. Only one more turn to make, and lo and behold, out of nowhere, a golf cart should appear, <laughs> driven by a very senior couple. Now, in order to prevent a collision, I pressly, quickly pressed tightly on the brake. But since it was the right hand, it was also the front brake. And suddenly I was in the air over the handlebars and on the ground, garbage strewn all over the place. You would have loved the scene. And this dear couple are right in front of me. Are you hurt? Are you hurt? I'm on the hot pavement. I said, oh no, I'm fine. <laughs> Trying to examine my wounds. Up on my feet, I'm humiliated, and I'm f feeling the need to assure them that I will live. And they said, I hope we didn't cause this. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not at all. And then this lovely lady said, we were watching this. I'm sure you were. But you know, you fell so well. You really did. 
Isn't it amazing when you're picking up the garbage all over the place, someone can make you feel better. You fell so well. I've been practicing. <laughs> After decades of research, the Gallup organization has demonstrated conclusively that you could improve the performance of a would-be leader far more easily by celebrating his or her strengths and building on those than by critiquing weaknesses. Why? Because naming what is right and admirable gives a person the inner strength and hope to face what's very difficult in, in one's pathway. And so I ask dads, what can we celebrate in our kids today? What if you wrote them a note and let them know what we celebrate in them? How long has it been since you have written a note to your kids? What if we had a father and son or father, father and daughter lunch or supper and took a moment just to be with them and share with them the quality of their lives that we celebrate? What if we just told them how we see God at work in their lives? What if we told them how we see that God has blessed them with spiritual gifts or special abilities or talents? What if we spoke towards their character and said to them, you have an amazing capacity to care for, for people. You are very kind. You were wonderful the way you treated your sister. And I see you doing that so often. I am so proud of you. Age-appropriate context. A way to encourage our children in the part of the journey that they're on that will spur them on. There was a story in Sports Illustrated some time ago, maybe some of you read it, uh, about an unusual member of Northwest High School football team in McDermott, Ohio. Jake Porter was born with Fragile X Syndrome, a chromosomal condition that left him unable to read, unable to write, very challenged. But Jake Porter, grade 12 student, loved football. He attended every practice. He bounced up and down with joy at the sight of the other players. And in his senior year, Dave France, the Northwest coach, decided to honor that heart. Before a game against Waverly High in the fall of 2002, Coach France called Derek DeWitt, the head coach at Waverly, and the two agreed to allow Jake to run one play at the end of the game. Jake would get the ball, he would take a knee, and the game would be over. With five seconds left in the chosen game, Waverly was leading Northwest 42 to zip. Coach France called a timeout. Jake was called out to the huddle, and the two coaches met at midfield. The writer of this story picks up the story here, and he says, fans could see there was a disagreement. DeWitt was shaking his head and waving his arms. After a rep stepped in, play resumed, uh, a ref, and Jake got the ball. He started to genuflect as he'd practiced all week. Teammates stopped him and told him to run, but Jake was going in the wrong direction. The backfield judge rerouted him toward the line of scrimmage. As a determined Jake Porter rushed toward the, an apparent mauling at the huge Waverly line, 
Suddenly the Waverly defense parted like the Red Sea. He was surrounded by 21 teammates, all urging him to go for the goal. In the stands, mothers cried and fathers roared. Players on both sidelines held their helmets to the sky and they whooped. Apparently when the coaches met before the big play, France had reminded DeWitt of the plan that Jake would simply take a knee. But coach DeWitt wasn't satisfied. He said, no, he said, I want your boy to score. France objected, but DeWitt insisted. DeWitt called his defense over and said, they're going to give the ball to number 45. I want you to open up a hole and let him score. And so Jake had the run of his life. With arms churning and face grinning, Jake Porter scored the touchdown, heard around the world, and he claimed his varsity letter. We all need to be celebrated. Every one of us. We all need to be cheered on. Dads, who are the people in your life who need some special ways in which they can be encouraged and blessed? Sometimes in ways they will never forget as the defense splits and that child runs for the, for the end zone. One more thought and quickly. David, our dads, you uh, encourage when you challenge your, your children. When you challenge your children. Verse 15, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you, both in person and by letter. And that's what Paul said to his spiritual kids. Stand firm, keep a strong grip on the teaching, help them through the issues that they're facing, help them assume responsibility around the home, and keep adding to that as they grow older. Again, I think growing up on the farm was a great place to learn responsibility. We had our chores to do. We had a routine of things that we were responsible for. We did our own share of griping and complaining. Oh no, dad, not picking rocks again. Oh no, not cleaning the chicken coop. Oh, it's time to milk the cows again. But we survived and we learned. We learned. There are times when the ministry of encouragement doesn't make a person feel great in the short term, but helps develop the strength that, that will be an encouragement in the long term. And sometimes that's our responsibility as dads too. So dads, hey, you're amazing. First of all, stop to fill your own tank. Pull up to the service station, fill up your own heart with encouragement, Find that discipline in your own life uh, so that you will be on the cutting edge. And then secondly, encourage your children through celebrating who they are and then challenging them as they grow up in responsibility and maturity in Jesus Christ. God bless you, dads.